weeks, uh, our nation has been fixated about the uh, federal election and who will finally win. Will the, media, will the Medi-Scare campaign be true or lies? Will Clive Palmer win any votes? And will Pauline Hanson finally eat a halal snack pack? <laughs> so finally we know that Turnbull has won and he's PM for now. But as we look back, we know that our federal politics has been pretty unstable. Maybe not as crazy as the Brexit stuff or what's happening in Turkey, but I mean, we've had five lead, uh, leadership changes in the past years. We've gone from little Johnny to Kevin 07, then Julia, and then Kevin's backstab again, and then we had Tony Abbott, and then another backstab to Turnbull. Change of powers, change of management. But let me ask you, have these changes really made a difference in how we live? Or maybe a little bit, um, but I don't think it's made a huge difference. We still go about living life pretty much the same way. And if you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, we've also gone through a change in power and management. You know, we were once dead in our sins, and now we're alive in Christ. That's what we've been singing tonight, and we've just celebrated this in communion. And this should make a huge difference to how we live. But if we think about it in reality, uh, most of us still go about life in a similar way to before this change. All of us still struggle somehow with living our old ways, whether we like to admit it or not. In fact, some of us, we might still want to keep our old habits. We want to gratify ourselves. We want to be great in the world's eyes. We want to store up treasures on earth. And we want to live in immorality, even though we call Jesus as Lord. Even though there's been this change of management and you know in your minds what Jesus has done for you. But we just live as if nothing has changed in our lives. So this is the topic that I want to address tonight as we look at being transformed mentally. Last week we looked at uh, being transformed physically. And I thought that uh, we must be doing a good job applying this because I saw people out in my street, in the park, and at South Bank. But then I realized they're just playing Pokemon Go. But tonight, we're looking at being transformed mentally. And the question I want to ask tonight is this. How does this change of management, this new knowledge of Jesus in our minds, how does it transform our lives? Or in other words, uh, how are we to be transformed by the knowledge of the gospel? Because you see, the saving message of Jesus, it's a truth. It's something that we know as we just sang, no greater sacrifice than when Jesus, when you laid down your life. And this truth isn't just something just to know and just to file away in our heads. You see, this truth is meant to penetrate our minds, as Wallace said, to captivate our hearts. It's got to click in our brains. The penny's got to drop. Just like the song says again, we join the song of angels who praise you day and night. So that this truth of the gospel, this saving message of Jesus, transforms our entire lives. If you're following uh, this series and looking at the study guide, uh, you might see that I'm moving away a little bit from the material. Uh, tonight, I'm going to focus on Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. And as we understand more about this passage, uh, we'll look at the topic of being mentally transformed by the renewing of our minds. If you go to the next slide... Uh, we'll see the passage. 
And you can see from the passage that this topic is central. So we're going to look uh, around what Paul says and what Paul writes about this phrase being transformed by the renewing of our minds. But before we get into the passage, uh, I want to tell you guys a story that I think resonates with tonight's topic really well. On Monday night, uh, I went to an Open Doors event. Uh, Open Doors, if you haven't heard, it's a missions organization that focuses on the persecuted church. And one of my friends, he's a pastor down in Sydney, he was sharing about a recent short-term trip. You see, this guy, he went on a team to Iraq. I mean, how many of you would want to go to Iraq today? And not only Iraq, this guy, he found himself 10 kilometers away from the ISIS front line, just a 10-minute drive away. It's like we're here, and ISIS is kind of like Carindale distance. And my friend, uh, he got to go to the Christian campsites and talk to people, talk to Christians who had met ISIS face-to-face. And there was one story that really stood out for me that night. I'm quoting some of the story. He says this. He says, this man was rich. When I say rich, I mean he owned three houses, multiple cars, and one kilometer worth of undeveloped land. He managed an office of multiple staff, which he ran with an Islamic man who was his best friend. Uh, as we know, Christians are persecuted regularly for their faith there. Uh, Christians in Iraq and Syria, uh, they would receive envelopes in the mail in their house. And these envelopes, they would have a bullet and a picture of their family. And they would say, renounce Jesus because ISIS is coming. One day, the town uh, that this man lived in, he received a warning. The warning said, ISIS is coming in one hour. Renounce Jesus, pay tax, or be killed. So this guy, he picked up his wife and five kids and fled for the fear of their lives. And as they ran, his best friend, he phoned him and took pleasure in telling him, I've taken everything of yours. I've taken your house. I'm actually calling you from inside your house, which is now mine in the name of ISIS. The Christian replies, I'll come back one day, only to hear this chilling reply. No, I will chase you to the next town to which you run now, and we will take everything again. Yet this guy continues. He says, they come in the name of ISIS, but we will stand firm in the name of Jesus Christ, and we will not be afraid of them. We leave our houses, but I know that if we leave our faith, we lose everything. Then he reflects. Uh, Before they took away everything, I was a Christian only by name. Change of management, but no change in life. I went to church on Sundays, and that's it. But now my faith is alive, transformed by the saving knowledge of Jesus. If you want to spend your time working for more money and more houses and just going along to church on Sundays, you can lose it. But if you work for God, you can never lose it. This guy's testimony really blew my mind. And you can see that this man's story uh, is kind of like what we're talking about tonight, a mental transformation, a Sunday Christian to a living Christian, a Christian by name to a Christian by trade. 
how the saving message of Jesus that uh, we've been singing about, that we celebrate, how when truly grasped for this man in this ISIS moment, or for us in this God moment, how the saving message of Jesus transforms our lives. And I pray that today, as uh, we look at this passage, we can have this God moment of mental transformation, that the gospel will sink into our minds and will change us from a Sunday Christian to a living Christian, from a Christian by name to a Christian by trade. So there's four points uh, from this verses that uh, I want to look at. The first is that mental transformation is founded on the mercy of God. I live in McGregor, and there's a whole bunch of international students living in the area. And one of the most frustrating things uh, for me is how they walk in the middle of the street. And they also have their headphones on, so they can't hear anything, especially cars driving behind them. So there they are, there they are they're walking in front, of the road, uh, in front of my car on the road, and instead of hitting them, I'll stop, I'll high beam them, I'll maybe give them a bit of a horn, and they'll do nothing. They'll just keep walking. Sometimes they'll even get mad uh, for me giving them a hard time. Don't you think that's just a little bit rude? I stop for them. I show them mercy. I could have just plowed through them. (laughs) But they don't respond at all. So think about, don't you think it's a bit rude that God shows us mercy through the saving work of Jesus? And we know it. We've sung about it. We've heard it. And we don't respond. And we don't change our lives at all that we just keep walking untransformed. You see, mental transformation is founded on the mercy of God. And that's where Paul starts in this passage. Have a look at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And the first word here is therefore. It's a pivotal word in the book of Romans. And whenever we see this word, we're meant to ask, what is it there for? Easy to remember. And here I think Paul is reaching back right to the whole of Romans 1 to 11. Remember, Romans, we didn't glorify or give thanks to God, chapter 1. So God gave us over to a corrupt mind. And chapter 3, no one is righteous, not even one. But now the righteousness is given through faith in Christ. 5 to 11, we have hope. We're more than conquerors. We're God's chosen people. And this is all summed up. In four words, the mercy of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So Paul's urge and his challenge here is in view of all he's written, because of all he's laid out. Transformation, mental transformation, is founded on the mercy of God, on knowing the gospel, and let it penetrate our minds. Uh, I love and I hate listening to testimonies. Uh, You get to hear how people become Christians, and that's a great thing. But sometimes I'm just left a bit hanging because when I'm hearing these testimonies, uh, something's just not right. The mercy of God isn't really there. So let me ask you tonight, why are you a Christian? Why are you here at church tonight? What would you say? Oh, my family, my husband or wife goes to church, and I do too. 
I've been brought up in a Christian home, so it just makes sense for me to be Christian. I just love the friends, the fellowship, the love around here. Oh, I love Jesus. He's my best friend. He makes me feel good. There's got to be a God out there, and Christianity kind of seems okay. The Bible makes sense. It's got great moral teachings. Maybe I can live like that. Some of these are nice, but don't you think that something is missing here? You see, the crux of our faith is the saving message of Jesus, the mercy of God. And if we don't get it, if we don't know it, if we don't understand it, then no transformation will happen. We will be Sunday Christians at best, just like the guy said. We won't want to do much else. Serve? No way. Read the Bible, pray? No way. Give our time, our energy, our lives? No way. But the mercy of God, it changes the way we think. If we really get it, then we respond to something bigger, something greater, something worthy of our lives, and then our minds will be transformed. You see, mental transformation is founded on the mercy of God. As C.T. Studd, he was a former English cricket player, he says it clearly. He says, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. It's founded on the mercy of God. And if we keep moving in verse 1, he goes on. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And the second thing we learn about mental transformation is that it involves your whole self. Uh, many of you guys know I studied architecture, and what I found out was that being an architect isn't just a job. It's not just a skill set, it's not just drawing, but it's actually a whole lifestyle. You see, in architecture, it's really hard to switch off. You're working on projects, million-dollar projects that just take over your mind. It's expected that you do late hours and you take work home. And then you walk out of the office, and guess what? You see buildings, you see houses, you're going home, another house, architecture, ideas, ideas, ideas. It's just following you around. Instead of reading the newspaper and Women's Weekly, you read architecture magazines, design magazines. I didn't even know these things existed. You start to wear black clothes, skinny jeans, thick-rimmed glasses. It goes on and on. Being an architect is more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. It involves your whole self. And being a Christian, knowing the truths of the gospel, it's kind of the same. You see, Christianity, it's not just something we just know. It's not a theoretical religion. It's not just knowing the truths of the gospel. But as God's mercy captivates your mind, as the gospel captivates our minds and hearts, the gospel seeks into your whole self. It flows and influences your whole body, your whole being. You see, while following Jesus starts in the mind, it, end up, it ends up involving our whole life. Paul says it this way, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Firstly, 
Uh, the body in Hebrew culture is not just about bones, muscles, and skin, but it's talking about your whole self, your whole being, our head, our hearts, our hands, our body, soul, and mind. However you want to put it, it's about the whole self, our entire lives. Secondly, uh, Paul, uh, look at how Paul describes the sacrifice. Note that it's not a dead sacrifice. It's not useless and lifeless even though sometimes we, we might look that way. And it's not an atoning sacrifice either. Remember, we're not offering up our bodies to earn or merit salvation. It's impossible anyway, and Jesus has already paid the price for our sin. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. It's not a dead sacrifice. It's not an atoning sacrifice. But Paul says it's a living sacrifice. We're alive and useful and effective, and we're living as an offering. And the offering is to God. It's holy to God, meaning set apart, set aside to God. And it's pleasing to God. That's the purpose of the sacrifice, to please God. And thirdly, this is the logical and reasonable response. Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. Uh, the Greek word here is called logikos. It's translated in most versions as spiritual worship. And that kind of captures the spiritual nature here. Uh, the NIV has done a good job saying true and proper worship. But I think the word means logical, reasonable, rational. Listen to the Greek word logikos. Sounds a lot like logical and it's based off that word. Paul's saying, in view of God's mercy, be living sacrifices, because it's the logical and reasonable response. You see, when God's mercy interacts with our minds, it makes sense that our whole body, our whole lives are influenced and involved. Mental transformation involves the whole self. As the old hymn says, take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. Take my silver and my gold. Take my will and make it yours. Take my love, my Lord I pour. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Transformation involves the whole self. I know that you've all heard the gospel, the mercy of God. Now, will you say, yes, Lord, take my life? You know, we need more kids and youth leaders at this church. Yes, Lord, take my life. We need people to think about going to Hertford Street. Yes, Lord, take my life. We need more singers, more cleaners, more care network members. Yes, Lord, take my life. Whatever it may be that God wants. Yes, Lord, take my life. It involves our whole self. And as we keep going, our mental transformation means saying no to the world. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, there are two value systems in this uh, world right now. First is called the world, and the other is God. And at one stage, if you think about it, all of us were living according to the world. Whether we grew up in church or not, we all lived according to the world. That's all we could do. 
Calvin says that our nature is a perpetual factory of idols. All we could do was sin. All we could do was follow the world. All we could do was worship its idols. But there's a change of management that's happened through the gospel. Our minds are renewed and transformed as the Spirit works through the Word of God. And God makes it possible for sinners like you and me to say no to the world. And that's what he wants us to do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think we all know this. We know that the world and God cannot coexist. We know that God wants us to say no to the world. But I think for all of us, it's a battle that we fight every day, every hour, every moment. It's a battle that begins in our minds. The guy in Iraq who shared his story, this is what he had to say about the Western church. He says, if ISIS comes to the West, and it has, then it will be a gift from the Lord. Obviously, it's not something we wish for, but keep listening. He says, it will be a wake-up call for a sleepy church. If you want to spend your life working for more money and more houses and just going along to church on Sundays, you can lose it. But if you work for God, you can never lose it. Christians in the West don't want to die because they're more in love with life than Jesus. So I say to the Western church, wake up, wake up. Powerful words, aren't they? And while the danger of ISIS was 10 k's away for these guys, we have the same spiritual deadly dangers right here on our doorsteps, on our iPhones, on our computers, on TVs, with our credit cards, in our minds. We all have the same testing temptations right here. So let me ask you the same question. Are you more in love with life than Jesus? Are you more in love with money status, sex, comfort? Are you more in love with these things that you won't say no to them, that you'll say no to Jesus instead, that while you know the gospel, you're not willing to be transformed by it? Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, transformation means saying no to the world. There's a lot of practical things that I could say, but I think one thing that I feel is missing from today's church is serious, real accountability. To think that we can say no to the world in our own strength, I think it's a setup for disaster. We need God's help, don't we? And we also need the help of God's people to help us to live for Jesus, whether it's one-on-one or in a study group or small group, for someone that you can share life with, for someone to come alongside you, to maybe rebuke you, to encourage you, to cry when you fall, and to celebrate your victories with you. But I'm not sure if we have this culture in church today. Some of us might meet up, but we don't share very much, do we? We're afraid of being vulnerable, and we think how we're going spiritually is a private thing. It's a thing only for me to know. But let me tell you that we need all the help we can get to say no to the world. 
And God puts his people in our lives right next to us tonight to help us as we follow Jesus. Even senior pastors, even Daryl has an accountability group. Doesn't that highlight how important it is for all of us to have people to read God's word together with, to pray together, to share together, to do life with together, to help us as our lives transform, as we say no to the world. And finally, as we finish off, mental transformation results in being able to discern God's will. That's the end of verse 2. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's an age-old question, isn't it? How do I know God's will? How do I know what God wants for my life? And there's no secret formula to this. You know, we don't have to do some spiritual pilgrimage. We don't have to wait and meditate until it just falls into our head. This is what Paul says. He says, know the mercy of God. Let it influence your whole self. Say no to the world and yes to Jesus. And by doing this, our minds are transformed and renewed, becoming more and more like Christ. So that as our minds become more and more into the image of Christ, our thoughts will align more and more with God's thoughts. Our will becomes closer to God's will. And through this transformation, we're able to discern God's will. We're able to test and approve, is this from God or not? It's not a secret formula. Learn God's word, live God's way. Know the gospel, live the gospel. Then you'll know what God's will is. Some of you here tonight, uh, you might be a little bit stumped thinking, what does God want me to do now with my life? What's God's will for this church? How does God want me to use my time, my money, my energies? How does God want me to serve here? Does God want me to think about Hertford Street? Does he want me to work here or there? These are all questions of the mind. And Paul says, just keep following Jesus. Go all in on him. Throw yourself in on God. And as your life becomes more and more like Christ, God's will and his desire will become clearer and clearer in your minds. And his ultimate will, remember, is being worked out through our transformation. Remember, God's will for all of us is to become more and more like Christ, living like him, following him, obeying him. That's what his will is. So tonight, uh, we focused on these two verses and this topic of mental transformation. Remember, there's been a change of management in our minds, and it's founded on the mercy of God when we know and understand that Christ alone is my cornerstone, that God's grace abounds in deepest waters, and when oceans rise, my soul will rest in his embrace. It's founded on the mercies of God. And then secondly, it involves our whole self. It's not just theoretical, it's not just something we know, but it affects everything, our whole lives and being. Thirdly, it means saying no to the world. A mind that's transformed for God, it cannot coexist with the world. It's different. It means asking yourself, am I loving life more than loving Jesus? And lastly, it results 
in discerning God's will. You want to know God, what God wants for your life? Throw yourselves in on following Jesus. Go all in on him. And then you'll find your mind transformed. But not only that, you'll find that your whole being, your mind, your body, your spirit, all of it being transformed more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the transformation that we desire. It's a battle for our whole selves to follow Jesus. And it starts with the mind. So let me finish with this question. Where's your mind at today? Where's your mind at today? Are you in love with life more than with Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we pray that you'd help us grasp your gospel and your saving message. Let it penetrate our minds. Let it captivate our thoughts and influence our whole selves, our whole lives, so that we would live more and more according to your will and that you'd grow us and shape us to be more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, fill our minds and hearts with your spirit so that we can proclaim boldly, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust our whole lives in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask these things for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.